0: The Swain Event podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. And I mean, wonderful morning. Because I know Ben McKee is. He's having a great morning. Jumpman Polo. That's when you know you're official when you rock the Jumpman Polo. Ben McKee. What's up, man? Good morning. you You, you good over there?
1: Uh no it, it has not been a, a fun morning in the McKee household uh to to peel back the curtain a little bit. Uh I I usually go drop knocks off at, at daycare 15 20 minutes before we start this uh because daycare is right around the corner And, Uh I I get in my car to to start it and it and it does not start. So I I think it's the car battery uh which is good um but that obviously creates a lot of issues. Knox is now in the living room watching Miss Rachel. He's got all his toys, so we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> uh, I I do think uh good friend Ryan Shepard is going to come save the day though, and and give me a ride to to practice and and get dro- get Knox dropped off. So I, I think it's going to work out. But boy, do do car issues creep up on you at, at the most inconvenient time.
0: Hey man, uh, I feel know, like you. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, you you've helped me so many times, taking me to. To, to the shop or whatever, pick up a car, drop a car off. And, I mean, even now, I've, I've not had mine for uh, a, a month. I get it back today. But I, I get it. I totally understand. Uh, would you say that this morning you were uh, blindsided? <laughs>
1: uh, yes, I, <laughs> I, I was blindsided. It It, it is – it's not fun. I mean, just getting in your car and it's just not working. Like, it, it unlocked and – as soon as it unlocked, like I heard the entire thing just shut down and, and like go into whatever mode. Bless you, Knox. Um, and uh, yeah, it, I was blindsided. Not not as blindsided as Michael Oer, but I, I was I was blindsided and uh, beaten down like the Braves beat down the Yankees last night. So we'll go ahead and get that out the way too. I'm sure people are already saying something on the text box. Jennifer Moore is already texting me, sending me photos of of, of the score update every time the Braves scored last night. I hate the Yankees as much as y'all do this year. I hate everything about them in 2023 other than Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge. We can get that out of the way as well. It's not been a a fun 12-hour stretch or so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm awake this morning. I'm sorry about that, Ben. I I am sorry about that, man. I can identify. I think we all can identify. Um, but I want—I know one thing that's not going to change. That's practice today. Practice is not changing. Scrimmage is not changing because Ben McKee has had some car issues. Uh, everything is rolling full steam, of head, steam ahead. Uh, I'll start by this. I asked you about Tennessee missing out on Williams. Winary to, to Missouri. I think the NIL law there in Missouri has and did benefit Missouri in a huge way, being able to keep their talent inside of the state. Missouri has to do this because they're in the SEC, other teams around the league, they're gonna straight jack all their high school recruits in state it. they don't do something. My question is, what if we see other states do what Missouri did to put more pressure on players to stay in state? The Missouri law that uh, passed allows players, high school players, to get paid as soon as they sign with the in-state school. And so I'm pretty sure Missouri backed the Brink's truck up, maybe overpaid more than some some other schools probably were willing to do and to keep him because if drink is going to be successful, you can't let guys like him leave. But what if what if Florida did that? What if Georgia did that? What if – the state of North Carolina did that. What if states uh, around the southeast say, "You know what? We're gonna do what Missouri did," and hey, what if Tennessee does it? I mean, you 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 maybe have more success in state, even though Tennessee has been really successful uh, as of late. But it, it 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 makes it a little bit difficult maybe to dip into you know Georgia and Carolinas and some of the other places to get players. So I just thought about that, man. I wasn't honestly. I like I wasn't sh- like shattered when Williams uh, when they picked missouri number one we kind of expected it for uh, a couple of weeks number two he's going to missouri missouri is not that good he's not going to alabama he's not going to georgia um so like i'm not shattered but it made me think about all right what like what if and i know the nil talk is exhausting um but at the same time like this is something that directly impacted tennessee because he picked missouri over tennessee and other schools
1: yeah, th- there's no doubt about that. I I, I do think it's a, a little worrisome for Tennessee if, if this becomes a, a trend, which it, it kind of seems like it is going to. Uh, because now you look at five-star receiver Ryan Wingo and, and the same chatter that we've heard about Williams Warneri the last several weeks. You're starting to hear that about Ryan Wingo as well. So I I don't think Missouri is ever going to get back to Atlanta to play in the SEC championship game like it did in 2013. I I don't believe that they're going to become a a championship caliber program. Uh, Maybe they proved me wrong, and I have to eat my words here And within the next decade or so. But um, it it certainly, if if they're accumulating more talent, it's just naturally going to be a more difficult game for Tennessee because they're going up against more talented players. So uh, Williams would nary. He alone isn't going to to make the game more difficult, but uh, w- when Missouri starts adding up Luther Burden and Williams Winery and Ryan Wingo and, and others, uh, they, they don't allow Javante Spragans to get out of East St. Louis, guys like that, then, then all of a sudden you're going to have a real quality football team. So uh, maybe something to keep an eye on down the road. If what you were talking about, Swain, if some of these other states don't change – their laws i i think states should be looking to to change uh the the law i think tennessee should be trying to get it to where that that is allowed here in in tennessee and and georgia and alabama and so on and so forth i'm sure the major universities are are trying to make that happen because if all things are equal william swanary is not going to missouri he's he's going to missouri so he can get paid as a senior in high school that that's why he's going to missouri so uh, on the other hand swain I I will be interested to see after his freshman year where things stand with him because if if you're just making a a temporary decision instead of a permanent decision or, or a decision for your your future, like I I wonder is he going to be happy after a year at Missouri if if the the team isn't doing well and we know how things work in the transfer portal era, like I wouldn't be surprised if if these guys who are making temporary decisions end up back in the portal at, at some point, because once they get to school, they're, they're not pleased with the direction that the football program is going. So uh, kudos to Missouri for taking advantage of a law that is set up to benefit them. Uh, if, if I'm Tennessee, I'm not losing sleep over that. There's, there's really nothing that you can do uh, in terms of Josh Heupel. That is, there, there's nothing that you can do to defeat that. And you still kind of made it somewhat close uh, Oklahoma Georgia Tennessee we're, we're still all in his ear until the last second uh and it seems to be the case with Ryan Wingo as well as well there's nothing you can really change as a staff to, to get him to Tennessee when, when that exists um but I, I'll be curious to see if Williams when he finishes his career at Missouri because I, I just think again when you're when you're making a temporary decision that, that could set up some some frustrations in the future
0: Hey man, I was I'm gonna let you flow do your thing Ben uh I ain't not want to disrupt you St Louis is in Illinois um you're right yeah be uh, but like, I get your point like I understand what, you, what, you, what you're saying but, but there's uh, a lot of
1: talent like football and especially basketball we've seen Jason Tatum come out of St Louis there's a lot of athletic ability in in the St Louis area and obviously Southern St Louis is is not all in Missouri um but the, the a good chunk of it is if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so if if missouri can both football and basketball wise if, if they can find a way to to lock down that state then like they'll have enough talent to to compete especially in basketball I, again i don't know if football is ever gonna reach a point to where it can go win a championship but um i mean that that that's a game changer i mean there's no other way around that
0: yeah a six five two hundred fifty five oh three uh i didn't want to get too deep into the NIL, NIL conversation because i know that's a, a topic that has been basically worn out during the off season. And, and quite frankly, I know I'm tired of the NIL and conference expansion and alignment and all that stuff. Uh, I, I'm tired of that conversation. I'm ready for ball. But, again, Williams, uh, Winery, one of the top players in the country, uh, picked Missouri over over Tennessee. And nothing about that makes football sense, right? But it does make sense when you look at the new law there in Missouri that allows players from the Missouri high schools to get paid if they stay in in state. So, a six five two hundred fifty five oh three is our telephone number. Uh, Brian Hunstucker wants to know if you're wearing a Michigan a Michigan shirt because you know Michigan is maize and <laughs> blue and they're Jordan.
1: Uh, no, I I don't think. I mean, it doesn't properly show uh, on the video, I'm sure, but it's not really Michigan. You get that from Olivier? <laughs> no, uh, Olivier uh, did, did not send this to me. Honestly, like it's more of it's a lighter, lighter yellow. I'm trying to think of somebody. It's more like a Georgia Tech yellow, if if anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Rev says, Has Ben has he received the pulse on his Yankees? They received. There's no
1: pulse. They're, they're dead. They've been dead. They <laughs> they all suck. Everybody needs to be fired except for Aaron Judge, and. Garrett Cole, other than those two, and Clay Holmes, although he's on my bad list right now because he calls us the game against the Marlins on Sunday. But, hey, we didn't lose 21 to nothing like the Mets did the other night, so at least oh I can goodness. say that.
0: That was rough. That was rough. Clint on the text box, the Beatty Chevrolet text box, BeattyChevrolet.com, on, um, on Tuesday uh, – th- or, excuse me, Thursday show uh, towards towards the, the end – actually, it's like the end. Uh, we were signing off. He says, Romel Keaton changed his numbers. Hit right in the heart. I love seeing a normal wide receiver number out in the field. I don't even know what's a normal receiver number, honestly, anymore. I, I guess, I mean, old school receiver number, like the, the 80, 80 through 89. Those are the yeah. old school yeah. numbers. I mean, yeah, I, don't I know think so. Could you think of
1: J- Jerry Rice and Randy Moss and T.O.?
0: Yeah, like the number changes is weird. You know, Aaron Beasley, six. Romel Keaton, nine. Um, you got Dylan Sampson, six on offense. You got, oh man, who else? Who else changed his number? Jalen Wright changed his number to, to zero. Like it's, it's it's going to take some time to get used to. I mean, it took, it took me to ask people and look at my phone and looking at the roster while watching the scrimmage on last week, uh, to try to keep up. So it's going to take some time, but at the end of the day, just make plays. I don't care what number you wear. Just just make plays, and then we'll we'll figure out your number as we go. And if you make more plays, it'll be easier for people to get used to you to your new number. That's how I look at it. Um. Rev says, Swain, how can the Vols be ranked 12th and not have a single player in the college preseason top 100 players? I think it's pretty simple, Rev. There's a lot of players that we think are good, talented, that will have a good year this year. But where's the proven players? Where's the proven players? What one proven player on this roster are we comfortable putting in a top 100 list? In the country, not SEC, but in the country. Like, what player outside of Cooper Mays, who's been doing it for two years, but we're talking top 100. That's tough, y'all. Joe hasn't done it. Jalen Wright, there's other really good running backs in the league. Spragans, there's other really good linemen in the in the in the country. Brew McCoy, one year. Rommel, a a year uh of stepping up and making some plays, but he wasn't as productive as, as, as Bru McCoy. You're not gonna go Jacob Warren. Um defensive line I mean Tyler Barron, this is this is supposed to be the year for him. It's been, you know, up and down three years first three of his career, Amar Tom. I mean, like, you you can't. Like, you can't put anybody on this team in the top 100 lists, even though they are preseason ranked number 12. You just can't do it. A 255 Let's get to the phones. Let's, let, let's slide one in here uh, before we go to break. Good morning. What's going on, guys? What's up? What's up, D.R.
2: Uh, not much. Just sitting here getting ready for football season. I, quick question: Jalen McCullough, whatever came of his case? Uh, he's good.
0: He's good for right now.
1: Well, I don't. I don't think it's officially right been now. settled. I I believe there's another court date, but it, that, I don't believe that there's a, a final verdict, so to speak, on that.
2: Yeah, that's an absolute joke. Yeah, for right now. To... Okay. Well, you know, and that, that's what made me think of him is Aaron Beasley, man. What a come up for that guy. I remember two years ago all that stuff came out about the cat and now here he is. I mean he's probably our most important linebacker, wouldn't y'all think, for this season?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that, that did not happen with Aaron Beasley. That cost him some time and, and now he's I mean, now he's good. But the latest on Jalen McCullough, uh he was indicted in the assault case. This was June sixteenth, two thousand twenty three. Um and so that's still an ongoing process, but he's playing. He's playing. He, he's in school, and so that legal process will play out.
2: Okay, I got you. And, Ben, you've got a toddler, and, you know, Butch Jones, he taught us a lot, mostly bad, but with toddlers, they, the 6-3 thing really is uh, accurate with them. In six seconds, they'll make three big moves, and you have stuff all over the ground. So I would uh, make sure you got enough mental toughness for this.
1: I'm, I'm trying to. I'm snapping and clearing this morning. I'm, I'm facing <laughs> adversity. I, I think I would be a great coach because I'm I'm coming up with some great in-game adjustments this morning.
2: Well, you know, you could decorate the trash can. You could call it the toy trash can instead of the, the turnover trash can. Jeez.
1: He, he's about to get his little butt dropped off at daycare, and, and I'm going to football practice. So we'll, we'll let daycare deal with him for the next couple of hours. He He's become a menace, an absolute menace.
2: So would you say that the daycare is the turnover trash can and you're turning knocks over?
1: <laughs> I mean, that, that might be a, a, a fair, fair way to put it for sure. I
0: got you. All right, guys. Well, I'm enjoying the show. All right. See you at good to hear from you. A six five two hundred fifty five O three. We will take a brief time out. Ben McKee time to go get a ride, drop knocks off, go to practice. Figure out what's going on with your car, man. Good luck with that. I'm here if you need me, my friend. Sweet so event, feel about that and barbecue. We'll be right back. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue, the search is over. Hey,
3: Val Nation, this is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols.
2: Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897, or email me at Jennifer Morris 865 at gmail.com and go
0: vols. Guys, let me talk to you here. If you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be low T. Schedule your complete health assessment at Low T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month, cash pay, or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near Low T Center, or you just want the convenience of a at-home treatment, Low T Center makes it easy, shipping your treatments directly to you with the peace of mind of monitored treatment. Go to lowtcenter.com to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Swain Events, swainevent.com, fueled by Daddy and Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Send in your questions, comments there on the text box, the Betty Chevrolet text box, BettyChevrolet.com. Big red tag sale taking place at Betty Chevrolet. Biggest savings on Betty's. Largest inventory in years, up to $10,000 off. BabyChevrolet.com. Ben McKee sends some positive vibes his way. Is he dealing with uh, car issues with a one year old trying to get to daycare? I've been there. We've all been there. Um, ben and then Ben's going to cover football practice. They were off yesterday, back today. Scrimmage number two tomorrow. Josh Heupel on the nation on on Sunday, and I just think whenever Josh Heupel is is talking about a player uh, specifically, it's it's very important to store that because normally Josh Heupel just talks about the group unless he is asked a question about a player. Pruitt was like that, too. He didn't really single anybody out unless he was asked about a certain player. even in that case, he would try to swing it back to talk about the the group as a whole. But Jalen Wright is is poised, I think, for a breakout year. Last year for Jalen Wright, he led the team in rushing. But could we really call that a breakout year? I mean, I don't call that a breakout year. Just because you lead the group in a certain stat, I wouldn't classify that as as him breaking out. Because even inside of the Tennessee fan base, there was not a lot of conversation about Jalen Wright, let alone – on the SEC level, no one talked about Jalen Wright on SEC Network. The the talk last year was all about Jalen Hyatt and Henry Hooker offensively. We know how great Darnell Wright was, but like those were the only two players on offense getting most of the conversation. Rightfully so. I mean, they were they were fen- phenomenal. But I look at Jalen Wright last year, starting off a little banged up. Has some fumbling issues. If you're Jalen Wright and you see Princeton Fank going in the goal line, that does something to you. Like, if if you're playing basketball and it's a minute to go and you got the lead and the other team is fouling and you know the other team is fouling and the coach takes you out, that means the coach does not have trust in your free throw shooting abilities. They're taking you out. So that offseason, what do you need to do? You need to work on your free throws. You need to be in a position the next year where if you're up and the team is fouling, you want to be in the game. You don't be taken out of the game. Jalen Wright was taken out of the game. Jamar Small was taken out of the game. In certain situations down the goal line, because Princeton Pham, bigger body, he felt more comfortable with him in a short yard situations. And also it was a wrinkle too. But Jalen Wright has had a great offseason. He's he's explosive as all get out. But 146 carries, eight hundred and seventy five yards last year. I think this year. He's gonna be Tennessee's breakout player. Greg McElroy on his podcast, Always College Football, pointed to Dante Thornton as being his breakout player for the Vols, which I think is a really easy pick to make because he played slot, and the last two slot receivers have had really good years at at Tennessee. The last slot receiver, Jalen Hyatt, was already at Tennessee four-year under hypo system before his breakout year last year. And then Valus Jones, remember, he didn't start off at slot. He didn't start off really doing much of anything. And then it took a game or two or three. And then Valus was used more in the slot, and then he had a, a really good finish to his season. But a player from the first game to the end who I think is going to have a breakout year, that's Jalen Wright watching how he carries himself in practice, watching how he carried himself in scrimmage number one, the intensity that he had. Like Jalen Wright, he's holding dudes accountable. And you do that when you put in all the work. When you put in all the work, it's easy to hold guys accountable. It's easy to walk around with a certain type of swagger. It's easy to hold dudes to a certain standard. Be vocal, even when maybe that's not your natural personality. And last year, during the locker room, we had Jalen Wright on on the program, and I got a chance to meet him and interview him. And he strikes me as someone who is a little soft spoken, a little quiet. But the Jalen Wright I'm hearing about, seeing in practices, that's the Jalen Wright that says, "You know what, man? If it is to be, it's up to me." Let's go. Let's go put in more work. And Josh Heupel commended him on being a better running back. Not just being a dude that gets the ball and just runs, but understanding the position as a whole. I don't think that bodes well for this offense. Running back competition is going to be fun. But Jalen Wright is my guy for the breakout season. QC Rodney says, uh, can we take a moment and appreciate you know, how big of a dork Drinkwitz is? Oh, man. You know what? i say this. I think Drinkwitz is an easy target for SEC fans, maybe even Missouri fans. And you don't necessarily see staffs and coaches. React the way they do during a commitment video and put it out the way that Drinkwoods and Company did when Williams when uh, when they were committed. But I do understand where he is and how necessary that is for his program. And I appreciate Drinkwoods more now than ever for comments he made talking about conference realignment and strong points he made on behalf of the student-athletes outside of football there in the, in the Pac-12. And um, I'm not even hating on them getting wings from there. I, I'm, I'm kind of tipping the cab, like, okay, there you go. That's how you do it, Missouri. You're in the SEC. You got to figure out ways to get around the system and, and create avenues for yourself. Go for it. Cool. Dr. Vol, could you review the last play for Levis in the Titans game, preseason game? Nah, man. Y'all remember, remember when um, Alvin Kamara was coming out, and how many Tennessee fans was was like, "Hey, he's one of the best running backs in his class." should be taken here he wasn't used right at Tennessee and then he goes to the NFL and he's like a pro bowler for the first couple of years and I mean last year was his, his worst year he had some off the field issues whatever I expect him to be back to form this year but like Al Kamara has been great ever since he stepped into the league and Tennessee fans are like we told you so duh like okay we told you um there was a debate about Derek Barnett and Miles Garrett in college, about who was better. Well, Derek Barnett was better in college based on his numbers, but the scouts got it right. Miles Garrett had the higher ceiling. There's no doubt about that. And that's why Miles Garrett has had more success than Derek Barnett in the pros. But like, Derek Barnett was better looking at the numbers and the production that he had at Tennessee. And Tennessee fans were like, hey, we told you so. We told you. We told you. Jalen Hyatt's the latest. They said he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that at the next level. And every time you jump on social media, there's some clip of him roasting veteran DBs. There's video clips of Adore Jackson talk about Jalen Hyatt and and how good he is and how good a job he's doing. And Tennessee fans are doing the same thing. I told you. I told you so. I told you so. Well, here we go again. But this time it's a opposing player, Will Levis. And it is a preseason game. We have to take that consideration. But Will Levis' biggest fault in Kentucky was turnovers and decision-making. And I don't know what he was looking at. It was four bears right there. Four. Like, I saw C.J. Stroud's interception. And, like, I can understand how he got fooled a little bit. I can understand how he got fooled. His guy guy was open. And he didn't account for a safety that dropped down and read his eyes and jumped on the ball. So I can understand how you can get fooled by a you know a player being in an area where you didn't think he was going to be in because the coverages are funky and different. No different than, like, when we see defensive ends drop back and pick off shallow crosses. Receivers, I mean, quarterbacks, they just don't see that person. You have blitz coming from the strong side. Typically, you will drop the weak side. In. But this wasn't the case with Will Levis. It was four dudes. He threw it up for grabs. It seemed like a lot of pressure on Will Levis to be playing for a team inside of the state of Tennessee after the career he had with Kentucky, where Kentucky is Tennessee's rival, Tennessee Vols' rival. And he's come to a state where it's mostly Tennessee fans. And it's all this pressure on him after he slid in the first round. Like, I I kind of feel for him. But my goodness, that was a terrible throw. D.R. Fall says, Levis is so hateable because of the way the media shoved, shoved him down our throats over the last year. Yeah, that's what stinks. That's what stinks about all of this. Like, Will Levis is not going to be liked at all until he starts making some plays. As simple as that. Nelson says, I, "I know you said never write a player off, but I'm writing Levis off. That boy stinks. Just have to eat crow if he turns out to be something." Yo, yeah, Levis is in a tough position. He's in a really tough position because because uh, Willis, he's fighting for his his career. He looks better, and Will Levis already throwing interceptions. Oh, man. I am a little concerned, though, for for, for Hendon. Simply because the Lions... And I thought Hendon was going to be ready to do something this year, if needed. But when, when the Lions went out and, and, and signed um, Teddy Bridgewater, I was like, oh, does that mean they're not necessarily ready for... Hinden to be a real number 2 cuz i remember Dan Campbell their head coach made a comment about this year being a red shirt year for Hendon. and i t- i kind of took that comment and i was like ah, yeah right Hendon's going to prove you wrong but you know what it's okay if Hendon doesn't play this season and it's a red shirt year cool get healthy get comfortable because we know the lions are coming off Jared Goff sooner or later. It's happening, so no rush for Hinden. No rush. Which NFL quarterback had the best showing this weekend from Bulldog Brian? I mean, Bryce Young didn't have time. I don't know how many pieces he has around him, honestly, but he didn't have a lot of time. Stroud didn't have a good good outing at all. Uh, Anthony Richardson had a rough outing. That's, man, that's a good question. I'm not going to overreact, though, just because it's the preseason. Throw your interceptions now. Hey, Peyton Manning struggled. His first year. He threw a ton of interceptions his first year. It's it's It happens. It's off of the course. It's why the team had the number one overall pick or top five pick. That means the team stunk the previous year, and one quarterback is not going to change that. So, got to have some pieces around that player. 865-25503 is our telephone number. Oh, Bulldog Broncos, says, I'll answer that for you. Stetson Bennett. That's right. Stetson Bennett did have a, a, good, a good outing, threw a touchdown pass. Hey, I'm not a Stetson Bennett hater. I'm not one of these guys that wishes the worst for him just because he played at Georgia and he has a personality that maybe people don't like. Stetson Stetson Bennett doesn't bother me. But, yeah, he did a really good job. (laughs) Tony says... Brian only asked you so he can give props to Stetson Bennett. That's right. He did. It's all right. That is okay. D Mills, glad Levis is not on my team. We got Lamar, Snoop, Huntley is back up. Big year coming for my Ravens. Big Shot Rob says it was definitely Justin Fields outside of the rookies. I mean, Fields, was, Fields had good numbers. I mean, through screen passes that went the distance, but feels like coming. He is coming. He's gonna be. He's gonna be pretty good, in, in my opinion. He really, he really will be. A six five two hundred fifty five oh three. Y'all too bothered about the preseason? AP top twelve. Are we, are we bothered about that? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm cool. With wherever they want to put Tennessee. Top ten, top twelve, top fifteen. I I don't I don't really care. I do think it's good to get that respect for what you did the previous year, how you finished last year, and then the players you have coming back. I think we all want to be respected. As a fan, you want your team to be respected. And I think a top 10 preseason ranking or 12 preseason ranking I think that's a respectable starting point for Tennessee because look yeah there's a lot of guys that played last year but like household names NFL guys that that like we feel do we have any first rounders or second rounders Right now, before we play a game, do we feel confident that we'll have a first, second rounder? No, not right now. And in saying that, I'm okay with not being in the top 10 or, or top five preseason ranking. I'm okay with not having a top 100 player on the roster. Like, this time last year, winning was, Obviously, the most important thing, right? And then after winning, the next important thing was getting players drafted. And then Tennessee did that. Tennessee won double-digit games. Multiple players were drafted. There was a time when Tennessee didn't have any players drafted, or Tennessee would have one player drafted, or Tennessee would be at the bottom of the league in terms of players drafted. Not the case this past year. Tennessee, top third in the league, getting players drafted. So you had a good season, got players drafted, and then you followed that up with a nice recruiting class. So you're hoping to do the same thing this year. But as long as you're winning games and getting players drafted, you're good to go. But, like, entering this season, Where are the Tennessee players on the mock drafts? I think that has something to do with Tennessee not being as ranked as, as high as you want it to be ranked, if you care about that. I think it has something to do with a Tennessee player not being ranked in the top 100. But again, it's okay. Because I got a pretty good feeling what Brew is going to do this year. I got a pretty good feeling of what Jalen Wright's going to do and, and Aaron Beasley and, and Tyler Barron and Omar Thomas. I got a pretty good feeling. There wasn't a lot of buzz at this time last year in terms, from a personnel standpoint. Jalen Hyde hadn't done anything yet. Hendon had a strong finish to 2021. Byron Young, I mean, he had potential, but he, had, he hadn't done enough to get himself drafted where he was drafted this past draft. Darnell Wright was the only five-star in his class that wasn't in the league. At this point last year, Darnell Wright, when you look at the other five-stars in his class, was the only one that hadn't done anything. I'm not talking about starting, because Darnell Wright has started every game he's been here. But I'm talking about playing up to that star rating. Darnell Wright had not done that at this point last year. And then what happened during the season? Henan took off. Hooker took off. Darnell Wright took off. Byron Young took off. Like, all these guys took off and they got themselves drafted. And I think there's a couple dudes on this roster right now that's going to do the same thing. Same thing. And then hopefully next year, at this point when they want to drop a USA Today coaches poll or AP poll or whatever poll they want to come out with in the preseason, people will take that consideration and go, you know what, let's go ahead and bump these dudes up some more. Let's put them up a little bit higher. This is a huge year for Josh Heupel. Every year is a huge year for a coach, right, getting paid $9 million. But we saw Tennessee win a bunch of games. We saw Josh Heupel coaching rankings, we saw him fly up the charts after Hendon Hooker led this team to 11 wins. What do you think will be said if Josh Heupel goes out and wins double-digit games again this year? What will be said about Josh Heupel wins double digit games again this year. 865-255-03. I'll I'll touch on that when we come back from break. Sway an event. Feel about that in Barbecue.
2: because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline impact the show with a text box it's part of the free swain event app
0: What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low-T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low-T Center, reinventing Healthcare. It is so good to be here with Charlie Pratt with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. And Charlie, you have a passion for helping and working with East Tennesseans. Why is that? Man, I was
3: born and raised here in Knoxville. Uh, my family's owned a business here since the 1920s. I played football at Central High School and Maryville College. I'm just really proud to work in East Tennessee. What are you the most proud of? We do a really good job of meeting people where they're at on their financial journey. I've got clients uh, that are just now starting out. I've got clients that are in the middle of saving and doing a great job job and I've got clients who have worked really hard their whole lives and it's time for them to enjoy their retirement. It's my job to make sure their money lasts as long as they do in retirement and they're able to leave a legacy for their family.
0: So with that being said, what are the next steps? Let's sit down and take a look at your financial
3: plan. Give me a call 865-919-6468.
0: Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over.
2: Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're an everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865 865- 257 7897 or email me at Jennifer Morris 865 at gmail.com. Go vols Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes. Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube.
0: Swain Event, swainevent.com g- for you about that in barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Couple days ago I was at Dead End and saw my neighbor there. And um big fan of potato skins. Hmm. Let me get some potato skins then. It's on, it's, on, it's on the menu. Let me get some with some pulled pork on here, some smoked brisket on the potato skins. Oh my goodness. I usually to go to the to the sausage and cheese plate on the appetizer section, at uh, Dead End Barbecue. My kids love the the, the dip, but the potato skins, my goodness, can't sleep on the potato skins. It's one of the goats of, of appetizers. A six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Andy is on the Event Hotline this morning. All right, let's get, let's get to Andy. Andy, good
4: morning. Hey, how y'all doing?
0: alright we good, man. Well, I'm good. I think our listeners are are good. Hope you are too.
4: That's good. I hope everybody's uh, doing good. I hope everybody's blessed and safe. Uh, it's a pretty bad storm came through last night. There were a lot of trees down, but uh, you know it's an exciting time right now. It's anxiousness. You know, football's almost here. Man, I just want to say, you know, these kids—they worked so hard this off season. Like they truly have gave it everything that they've got and I can't wait for them to you know have that success on the field and you know for Milton alone you know that that kid has always been so so humble um and uh also I just wanted to say uh you know I know a lot of fans right now are panicking somewhat about way recruiting's going but it's just like the goat Mr. A Austin Price says, you know, this staff knows what they're doing, they know what they want. Sometimes there's a reason why that they don't get that kid or they don't want that kid. And because us fans we don't know because we're not the staff. So you just have to trust the trust the process. And, you know, if anybody follows BallQuest, those guys are the most trusted. Let's just be real, because I mean, the university uses them the most. So if you don't know something, you know, join VolQuest. You can usually find out the answer. If not, usually bring Hubs or AP will freaking, you know, try to explain it the best they can. Um, you know, there's no reason to panic. Um, with that being said, Go balls! I hope everybody's doing
0: well, and that's pretty much all I got to say. All right, Andy, thank you for the phone call. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, appreciates that. Andy, Uh, check is in the mail from from AP. I don't know who's freaking out about recruiting, though. anybody who's freaking out? Text box. Are we we freaking out about recruiting? I haven't seen any freak out. Now I don't see the same things Andy sees. I don't pay attention to the same thing that Andy pays attention to. Been doing this a long time. And there's certain places that I just don't go and look. Is there a freak out? With recruiting. I don't see why there there would be. I mean, Tennessee's ranked pretty pretty high in team rankings. Last time I checked, nineteen commitments. I'm on two four seven. Tennessee's ranked 11th, with 19 commitments. Notre Dame is at 9 with 22 commitments. Penn State at 8 with 24 commitments. LSU 7 with 23. Michigan, 27 commitments at 6. Florida State, 21 at 5. Alabama has 17 commitments. Therefore, they're 4. They're going to finish higher than us. But, hey, that's, they, they have for a very long time. Uh, Florida at 3 with 22 commitments. I mean, all these teams have way more commitments than Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's in striking distance to have a top ten class. Like, I hope people ain't freaking out because of Williams Winary. I mean, he went to Missouri. He went to Missouri because Missouri did everything in their power to keep him in state. Missouri was willing to do what others probably wasn't willing to do. And that's that's okay. That is okay. Tennessee is right there with other defensive linemen, other pass rushers. But I do agree with Andy. I mean, guys are working their tails off. But players always work hard at this this point of the season. Everybody's zero and zero. Everyone's feeling optimistic. Everyone's working hard during during the summer. Um I'm a big fan of Joe Milton, so I agree with Andy there, but I I don't know who's freaking out. About recruiting. I'm with you, Vol Storm. Nobody freaking out about recruiting. We just want to start the season. Yeah, we got, what, 18 days? Louisiana Vol. Get me some defensive linemen. Other than that, recruiting, it's on its way up. I'm not freaking out about recruiting. I'm good. D Mills says, uh, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of media folks saying defenses will have us figured out. Do you buy it? I mean, not like hype. Going to adjust to and have new wrinkles. Still comes down to players winning matchups slash executing. Um, No, I do not buy that. I do not buy the notion that defenses... Will have us figured out. I'll use an example from two games versus Kentucky. In 2021, Hypo's first season, we go up to Kentucky. Will Levis had the best game of his career probably. He was unbelievable. Everything he did was positive. I mean, he touched goal every play that that game. But they still lost. And they lost because of explosive plays being made all game long, whether it was right before the half or at the end of the game or start of the game, like big plays were made all over the field versus a defensive minded coach. If you remember Jalen Hyatt had a wheel route during one point of the of the game and Remember, we didn't see a lot of Jalen Hyatt towards the back half of the season. Jalen Hyatt caught it, tippy toed a little bit, but then ran out of bounds. I remember putting my hands on my face and going, come on, man, stay in bounds and go score. But it was a big play. Tennessee went down and scored, I want to say. Y'all, y'all remember the black game, the blackout game? At home this past year versus Kentucky? The first touchdown was to Jalen Hyatt. He was wide open. What was the route? The same damn route from two thousand twenty-one. The switch route, wheel route, whatever you want to call it. My point is, coaches know what we what we want to do. <laughs> they know. They know. But knowing. And having the personnel, number one, to be able to have success versus our offense, and then number two, knowing it and making sure your players know it and are able to execute in a matter of seconds. That's the problem with the tempo. Like, you got to identify the formation, and then you got like a half a second before you have to react. And if you wait any longer, there's a step put on you and they're behind you or you're out of position and there's a play made. So let's not sit here and assume that Josh Heupel just created this offense in 2021 and brought it out and never, there was no examples of this offense prior to 2021, no. We've seen variations of this offense are browsers at Baylor. We've seen this offense. Just not everyone has the recipe to be able to do it. Because do people figure out Gus on No, oh, people did not figure out Gus. Gus just never was good at developing quarterbacks. That was Gus's problem. Gus didn't have a real quarterback that he can develop. He got so many talented quarterbacks at Auburn. Like, imagine if, if Tennessee got in the quarterbacks that Auburn has got under Gus Malzahn. Like, we wouldn't been as bad as quarter, as we were in quarter, uh, uh, at quarterback in 2018 and 19 and 20. We would have been a whole lot better. Or even 17, we would have been a whole lot better at quarterback. But Gus's problem is developing quarterbacks. Gus was the offense coordinator in 2010 when Auburn won a championship, and you had a once-in-a-lifetime type of player at quarterback in Cam Newton. But when Gus comes came back to be the head coach, he took Auburn to the national championship game in 2013, running the same system with a dude playing quarterback that was a DB, and Nick Marshall. And then had some years here and there where they are pretty good, good defense, but they were in the same system. The difference was quarterback and staff chemistry because Brett Lashley, a old player of his back from Arkansas, was his OC, but he never let him be the OC, so he left. That was Malzahn's issue. But no one figured out Malzahn's offense. Or oh, excuse me, I won't say, I won't say that. Everyone knew Malzahn's offense. Knew what they wanted to do. But knowing and stopping it, two different things. You got to have a quarterback that's developed. And if you don't, I don't care what system you're running. It's hard to win. But, before the break, I brought up the point about this year for Josh Heupel and how 2021 offseason going into 2022, every offseason there's head coaching rankings. And Heupel, was it wasn't that high, let's just be honest. A couple of years at Central Florida, I mean, it really wasn't a reason for him to be high, to be honest. But you look at the first year of Heupel at Tennessee, taking over a mess, and I thought he should have been considered as SEC Coach of the Year, but it's hard to do that when you, you have a coach out there that's winning championships in the same conference. So it's hard to give Heupel Coach of the Year, but it should have been in the conversation for the first season at Tennessee. So Heupel moved up the list as far as coaches, best coaches in college football. And then after last season, Josh Heupel found himself at number 16. 2022 ranking, he was at 33. So after the 2021 season, he jumped up to 33. After last season, he jumped up to 16. A 17-spot move. You lose in Darnell Wright, Jalen Hyatt, Henry Hooker. Imagine if Josh Heupel goes out this year and wins double-digit games with a quarterback that some folks have written off. He does it with a quarterback that had two opportunities to start. Didn't work out. Replacing Jalen Hyde, replacing Darnell Wright. What if Heupel goes out here and wins double-digit games? Josh Heipel is going to leapfrog Mike Gundy and Mark Stoops and Mike Norvell and, and Brett Bielema, excuse me, other way. He's going to leapfrog Dave Clawson, Lane Kiffin, Chip Kelly, Chris Kleiman. He's going he's gonna to leapfrog those guys. He's going to be in the top ten. Heck of an opportunity for Josh Heupel, heck of an opportunity, and I think he can do it. I think he can do it. Peyton Manning. I know sometimes when 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 Peyton gives endorsements, and you have to understand where Peyton is, what position that he's in. He's in a tough position, y'all. If he's publicly asked about a coach, he's not. He can't say anything negative about a coach, he's been positive about every coach that's been hired publicly, he has to be. Did y'all hear the latest comments from, from Peyton? This was said on The Nation about about Joe Milton from Peyton. And I hope people dis, didn't disregard it because They became so used to Peyton saying nice things about the coaches or the players of Tennessee and didn't really take it serious. I hope people didn't do that. I really hope they did. But Peyton on the nation spoke about Joe Milton down at the Manning Passing Academy. And he says, I was impressed with his accuracy, his footwork. I can tell he has worked on those things. I think he wants to be more than just a guy that can throw it so far down the field, which is great. But we got to be able to complete those intermediate throws and those touch passes over the middle. And I think Joe has really worked on that. And I think that's going to show up this year for sure. How many of y'all out here, after hearing that, still decide not to believe that Joe Milton has gotten better. Then I mean, you heard that from Peyton. 865 3 Let's get back to the phones. Good morning. Hey, good morning. What's up, man? Who are we talking to this morning? This voice, I, I can't recognize it.
5: Just Justin. Oh, in there
0: it is. Now I can recognize it. Justin in Florida. What's up, man?
5: Hey, nothing, man. Uh, you doing well this morning?
0: I'm good. I'm good.
5: That's uh, so what we like to hear. Hey, I think you're hitting on uh, uh, two points that are real important for people to understand. And, you know, this is a really, really important year for Josh Heupel. And, I mean, I guess every year is important, but there's one in particular. Is I think in the media there's a lot of questions on what was really behind the success of Tennessee last year? Was it, you know, Hooker, Hyatt, Wright, Byron Young? Was it just a combination of, hey, you had some really good guys and everything clicked? Or is it, you know, something that Hypel's got in a direction where it's rinse, repeat, and just every year the names are going to change, they're going to improve, and you're going to have that success. So I think there's a lot of kind of split out there within the media and, you know, the ranking I thought was, you know, some could argue it was low, some could argue it was high, but, I mean, I figured we'd be somewhere in the top 12, 13, and there's still a little bit of wait and see. I know there's, you know, um, I listened to a couple people talk about there being some questions with personnel on the offensive line. Not that we don't have it, it's just what's the combinations going to be? You know, if Guys get injured, you know, who steps up in this position? So there's still some things being um, ironed out, but I think if this uh, staff can go out and show, hey, we've built a culture, we've put the right things in place, we're developing players, and as guys leave, we've got this next batch that's stepping up, ready to go, you know, that means that we're going to have this, you know, potential for success year over year over year. And to your point, Swain, I mean, a, a double-digit win season, I mean, now it's not a, it's not Tennessee did it and it's a fluke year. Now it's, okay, we're seeing a pattern. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, for sure. Which is why I think if if, if Hyper wins double digits, uh, he's going he's gonna to be a top-ten coach in America. I mean, and it's going to be undeniable. I don't care what you want to call the offense. And Peyton said also on The Nation, um, you know, he was asked about the offense and people have called the offense gimmicky and Peyton was like it don't matter it's what works (laughs) like it's what works that's that's what matters and for Josh Heupel at Tennessee it has it has worked and if he is winning nine to ten games who cares what offense he's running unless it's like triple option which no one wants to really see that Uh, I'll be honest like that that would be hard that'd be a hard ticket to sell but like Outside of the triple option, like who cares what offense he's running? I don't care. I formation, uh, spread, up tempo, air raid, like Mike Leach. I don't care. As long as you win winning games, win double digit uh, games in a season. Sometimes it's gonna be harder to do that if you hit nine wins, like with a chance to win ten in the bowl seat in the bowl game. Hey, that's that's what we care about, right? And that actually brings up
5: my second point is I also heard a lot of concern from – or not concern, I guess criticism from other fan bases that eventually everyone's going to – are going to figure out Josh Hypel's offense, which which to me is kind of funny because – and Swain, you can talk to this better than I can. Isn't – when it comes to the wide receivers, isn't a lot of what they do kind of post-snap? and reading what the defense is. So even if you've got a formation figured out, I mean, last year you looked at, you know, Jalen Hyde, and everyone just said, oh, well, they just run go routes. Oh. Well, if you're going to get one-on-one coverage, you got a guy, someone, I think, uh, or I read that he cracked 24 miles an hour at Giants training camp. Show me another, like, show me a DB that we played last year that can run 24 miles an hour, step-for-step step, with a wide receiver. And, I mean, I'll be impressed, but if you're going to try and play one-on-one and stay in his hip pocket, eventually, downfield, he's going to break away. And I think Hooker recently said what he used to read is that if Hyatt was even, he was letting it go because eventually he's going to create that separation. He's going to be open. But you go back to the very first play, I think Hyatt scored the first touchdown last year. And the DB played way off. What did he do? Broke the route off at 20 yards, you know, took it in, beat the, beat the safety for a touchdown. So, again, it's easy to say that, you know, these defenses are going to figure things out, but you don't have the time to communicate, you know, between snaps. You are doing stuff post-read. And one thing I've also seen out of Hypal, which I think is great, is he'll show a formation in a play one week come back the following week show the same formation and then the play is going the opposite way which i think is great because teams are taking that film breaking it down and go okay they got in this formation boom we're going to run this defense and now it's going a completely different direction so it's almost like a change up in baseball i'm going to show you a fastball then i'm going to change speed on you and give you something else to try and defend (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey, the the whole narrative about figuring out Tennessee's offense and, man, just wait until defense has figured it out. My question would be, why didn't you figure it out after 2021? Here's a new coach that entered the league. He did more with less, beat Kentucky, beat South Carolina down, had more success versus Alabama and Georgia than other teams, even though you lost the game, but you had more offensive success, why didn't people go, well, we might as well try to figure this out now because once he gets more talent, it's going to be harder to figure out. So why didn't people figure out Tennessee's offense in the 2022 preseason, that offseason? Because if they would have worked on it, they would have, prevented this Tennessee offense from being number one in the freaking nation. (laughs) Like they were number one in the nation after Josh Heupel coached at Tennessee for one year. And they had plenty of time to figure it out. You know why? Because you can't just figure it out. It's not a math equation. You got to have personnel and you got to have smart dudes with experience that can react. And you got to have, you got to have a good day too. Like Carolina didn't have the personnel, Alabama, Alabama, and Georgia had. We played them. and But they just had a good day, and we didn't have a good day. So you got to have some of that, too. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Hyatt and the reroutes routes because for your receivers or backs or tight ends on offense to have the freedom to run reroutes routes at the rate that we ran them last year, That means, A, you have intelligent players, and you are a good coach and teacher. A lot of times, reroutes are taken out of an offense because it confuses the player. So I'll give you an example. When I was being recruited, 2001, 2002, I would watch Tennessee, I would watch Kelly Washington and Dante Stallworth, man, catching these deep passes. I remember watching that Kentucky game in 2001, and Tennessee found themselves down a little bit, and Tennessee just soared back. And it seemed like it was just go routes after go routes. But in reality, it wasn't really all go routes. They were hitch routes that were converted two goal routes because at that time the receivers and the quarterbacks were able to run read routes. So 2002, same thing. I get to Tennessee 2003 and we are running the same thing. And so hitch routes where you have press coverage and you beat the guy off the line of scrimmage, you were allowed to turn that into a goal route why run a hitch when someone's pressing you up so that way the ball can get intercepted? You beat the guy off the line and then you stop at five yards, the ball's going to go right to the DB. So, like, you were given the green light to take it up. That was the term. Take it up. Also, on curl routes, so I mentioned hitch routes, which are short game routes, five yards, but on curl routes, out routes and some of the intermediate routes if you had a curl call to your side and you had press coverage or you had a DB and he's sitting and he's squatting at 10 yards but your curl route was 12 to 14 yards and it was versus man or it was versus a single safety look you had the green light to take it up and run a go route the reason why we were allowed to do that is because number one coaches coached it up really well. And number two, like you had intelligent players. The moment you have stupid players, then you gotta take out the guesswork. Don't even get, don't even think, just play. You gotta take out the thinking as much as possible. Well, sometimes, sometimes, and you can go back and look at this on film. Sometimes you would have the quarterbacks throwing deep while the receivers were breaking off. And that is a telltale sign that, oh, that was probably a read route. That was a reroute, Because most of the time, there's one route that's called. If I tell you to go run a 12-yard curl, which is run straight line for 12 yards, stop, turn around, and work back to the quarterback, if that's the route that's called in the huddle, you will never see a quarterback throw a deep unless there was another option, unless there was a reroute. Well, when you have an offense that does a really good job teaching our receivers, our tight ends, our running backs about coverage, about defenses, and then giving them options based on Post snap read. So if you see two safeties, you're going to run a corner from the slot. If you see one safety, you're going to run an over from the slot or curl from the slot or a dig from the slot. If you get protection, you can't stop that. It's unstoppable. Sometimes passing plays are stopped, and there's nowhere to go with the football, even when the quarterback has all the time in the world, because there's no option routes given to the pass catchers. Like, damn, man, they had the perfect coverage, man, for what we wanted to do. Oh, man, they had the perfect coverage. But if we would have had an option route on this one play, man, we could have read that defender and went the other way, and that ball would have been right there. It would have been wide open that's where option routes came into play. But everybody can't do option routes because every coach can't coach it and every player can't do it because I don't know if y'all know this or not, but not, not everyone is smart. Not everyone is book smart and not everyone is common sense smart, street smart, and not everyone is football smart. There's people that have four or five degrees that is brilliant in the books, but common sense, whew, they need some tutoring. I think the same thing applies on the football field. You got guys that are really smart in the classroom, but on the field, not that smart. You got guys who are not smart at all in the classroom, but brilliant on the football field. And it makes it easier to coach guys like that, and it also makes it easier to put in More read route opportunities for our pass catchers. So going back to my point, A, players are smart. Two, coaches doing a really good job of coaching it. That means they're good teachers. That means they're good teachers. So when is this supposed to get figured out? (laughs) That's the question. The answer is it's not. It's not going to get figured out. If you want to beat Tennessee's offense, you better recruit four or five DBs that can all play, that can all guard, that are – there's not much distance between DB1, DB2, DB3, DB4. Like, they're all really, really good. You better have some guys who can cover, and you better have a pass rush. And you better have some linebackers that can run, too. You gotta have a really good personnel. You gotta have a Georgia or Alabama personnel to match up against Tennessee's offense. And you also might be able to catch Tennessee, not on top of their game, while you being on top of your game versus our defense that maybe have a bad day or bad night and be South Carolina. But let's just say. Tennessee loses two games to two teams that have better personnel and then one game that's a toss-up. That's still nine wins. And let's say what happened uh, last year happens again. That's ten. And let's say you lose one of those games against Alabama and Georgia, but then you handle business against everybody else. It's a damn good season. But regardless, in all three scenarios, Justin – you in a college football playoff. In all three scenarios 9 and 3, 10 and 2, 11 and 1. In all three scenarios, you still have a chance to go win the national championship. That's how I look at it. 865 255 03 is our telephone number. Thanks for the phone call, Justin. The question that's a long answer, man. the Vols, what is the hype about Manning back as a professor? Peyton has always had a, a, a love for the College of Communications um, department. Uh, he has some strong relationships in that department, but he is going to be a professor. He's going to teach class. He'll travel back and forth between Knoxville and Denver. Denver is where he, he lives. Um, and so he's teaching class. I mean, that's that's what he's doing. He's not going to be on the football staff. Uh, but he'll be in Knoxville more. He'll be around his program even more. And um, if I'm a high school recruit and I'm thinking about my future in, uh, 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 in communications, I'm looking at Tennessee and I see that Peyton Manning is a professor in the College of Communication. You look at what Peyton Manning is doing in the, in the media space right now with uh, you know his podcast platform and is platform on TV like I'm? I'm looking in Tennessee, long and hard. All right, let's go back to the phones before we wrap up today's program. Uh, good morning. Who do we have?
5: Hey, this is Mike uh, in Conyers, uh, formerly known as Mike from Alpharetta. Hey, unfortunately, Mike. Unfortunately, I'm a little closer to. Yeah, it's been been a while. Been a while. Um, I'm actually closer to Athens now. Unfortunately. <laughs> So my question for you is um, the Georgia game last year, um, and, and I didn't really get to listen to you much last year. I'm sure you probably talked to this, but the uh, how did how did Georgia? Why do you think Georgia beat us, and what do we need to do this year uh, to to beat them? And I'll just hang up and listen.
4: Thanks.
0: Hey, thank you, Mike. That's the most important question. It's it's the most important question in my opinion, in Tennessee football. How do you beat Georgia? Because before Georgia won their two national championships, their question, or should have been the biggest question, I'm sure it was, was, all right, how do you beat Alabama? How do we pass Alabama? Because you got to pass Alabama to win a championship. Well, if Tennessee wants to win a championship, you gotta, like, you got to pass Georgia. Like you got to beat Georgia. That's, that's, that's what you have to do. That's what the focus should be on. Well, you got to get stronger in the trenches. I think Tennessee will be stronger in the trenches this year, defensively, offensively. Is still a question. Defensively, absolutely. Defensive line. Uh, I think we will be a better unit uh, for sure. You got to have more guys, um, more depth, more guys that you trust that can that can play. You need playmakers. That George game last year, man, that game was lost in the trenches. It was lost in the trenches Uh, on on the outside. We got beat for some deep passes, but Stetson Bennett had plenty of time to throw it, and that's the trenches not getting to him enough. Corners, we were, I think, healthy as a team for the most part, but our corners, man, we were hurt. We had a lot of guys hurt. But Nelson hit the nail on the head on the text box. recruit <laughs> like that's it that's it mike that's that's what we need to do man we gotta we gotta recruit better and that that's what we we've done that we've recruited better so you gotta keep doing that you gotta keep developing talent um but you gotta recruit better you, you, you got you gotta have more dudes it's simple as that and i think tennessee will play more guys because they trust more guys this year and we'll see we'll see what happens big thanks to everyone Tuning in today, we appreciate uh, the patience. We'll have been in for uh, the entire show once once fall camp settles down. So we, I mean, we are a couple days away from getting into game week, y'all. Game week is around the corner. Like we don't even count those days as a player. You can't fall camp days, but you don't even count game So we around the corner uh, from a you know, normal swing event and you know, doing the show on Tuesday, Thursday mornings was the best bet, I think, for us and for, for our listeners. And because Tennessee practices in the morning, this is a part of uh, what we're going to have to deal with. But that's okay because I'll be at the scrimmage tomorrow Full scrimmage. Number two, who goes? Who sits out? Big question that I want to see tomorrow is Addison Nichols, Ollie Lane, left guard, center. How's that going to play out? How will we play tomorrow? How will we play tomorrow? That's going to be the the question. That's going to be the question. Thank you all for, for tuning in today. I'm Jason Swain. The swing event fueled by a dead-end barbecue each and every day. Same time Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Peace. Much love. You're out.